Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective. Presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I am Bob. And today, we are going to take a long, hard look at Clan Book La Sombra. Woohoo! Uh, it's been a long road coming. We are in, we are firmly in the year 1996. And this is right around the time I started playing, right? When this book came out, somewhere around there. Um, I was in high school. I had a mohawk and I had combat boots. I graduated this year and was rather thankful to figure it out that other people played this game and mm-hmm. I wasn't joining a satanic cult. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I I uh, but don't doubt my dedication. I still <laughs> bought the books and read them fully prepared to take the plunge, but right. I'm glad it was just a game. Yeah, I I think the first year I played in a LARP was the year after this. So I think '97, um, only because uh, there's some reason I don't remember what the reason was, but um, I I had discovered this game through uh some people in my quote-unquote gaming group because you know we didn't it was just my friends were nerds and that was our you know it wasn't a gaming group it was just that's what we did we did nerdy shit like play D &D and Shadowrun and whatever and someone had bought the vampire book because they were obsessed with vampires i think in the same way that you know you had enjoyed vampires they were like 10 degrees more obsessed (laughs) like wore sunglasses during the day and yeah so anyways i read the the main core book and started you know seeing all these these clan books and i remember them coming out i remember being at game stores and seeing new ones i feel i should say this i wore black because of uh nwa mm -hmm. it's a good reason it's the only reason I did it. It's a good reason. Straight out of Compton influenced me heavily. That's, I mean, in you my know, wardrobe. It's uh, it, so not to stray too far from the blackness of this book because that's it's a very good segue. This book is black, son. Not black as it gets. Um, but uh, I think that uh, you know, like the punk crowds, the metal crowds, the hip hop crowds, like back then, these were all kind of like marginalized groups. Okay. You know, they were definitely out of the mainstream, and I don't think there's a very big leap from punk rock music to hip-hop music i think it's culturally those are really Except the only differences good. i mean i agree yeah i mean i know i know you my personal I, opinion yeah i mean honestly in this podcast you probably get into more heated debate in the music department than you would in the politics department but right. however um yeah uh all all great segues for what appears to be a book that um and they, they do this a lot with these clan books. You know, they try to make them unique, try to offer, you know, something in the design, something in the layout that's a little bit different. And this one is all black paper with white typeface. And I want to go on, on a limb and tell you that this is not even a limb. This is my favorite clan book. Uh, this is definitely my favorite clan book in the first edition. Like, this is my favorite clan. I'm asked that a lot. Right. And everyone goes, Bob, your favorite clan is Asimite. No, I know Asimite's the best. My favorite clan that I enjoy playing, right. that I really like, that I think is well written, is this very book we're about to go over. Right. Except, I hate the artwork on the front. <laughs> See, I think the artwork on the front is incredibly misleading. I think it would have been great for a different clan. I, I think it's a cool picture, but I don't think it... And, and, and I've noticed this with a lot of the clan books, the Shamase clan book specifically, the Lasombra clan book. Like, yeah, I guess this guy could be a Lasombra, but probably not. But like the defunct... Like level 
zero retard shovel headless Hombra. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who? He definitely, uh, I mean, you know, it's definitely playing to all the themes, right? Is he trying to tell us he's in the black hand, Nate? I, you know, is that th- why his head that, shaved bald? That is definitely what I thought when I started playing this game. And then game. he stuck his hand in black paint and slapped it on his forehead? Right, but that's a shadow, Bob. Oh! Yeah, you can oh, tell it's, okay. a, it's a shadow. It's a shadow. Yeah, it's, hey, look, it's a cool piece of artwork. I definitely won't take anything away from Tim Bradstreet. However, it doesn't really, to me, hearken to what Clan Lasombra represents. To be fair... I like to say that I got the impression that that was almost the point. The theme to these these clan books was to not seem stereotypical, mm-hmm. to be varied, to be different than what you think, and that's the draw. I still poke a little fun because I'm Bob. I'm mischievous. Yeah. It's what I do. But like, talking back to two clan books that we've done already, this Amise, I think, was well done. Yeah. It was provocative. It had, had some chicken to cover that had a smile uh-huh. that spoke sinister. Yeah. Like, and then when you read the book, you're like, was she even a she? And, and I can get behind that. However, I personally am of the belief that the revised edition clan books definitely tend to more encapsulate what the clan represents by their cover artwork. Eh, true. But, uh, you know, like any picture, thousand words, thousand yeah, opinions. So absolutely. I mean, All I know is when I saw this, I was like, that looks badass. Oh, and before anybody asks, no, I don't agree with the Asimite warrior on the cover looking like a psychopath, interlacing his fingers together. I think it's a good for a Bruhai anti-tribute book. Oh, yeah. I, I think I think this is too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, Yeah, so anyways, sometimes the art doesn't necessarily match. But it's still all good art. Right, but also let's, let's remember that at this time, we're still a little underthought out because the, the clan symbol for the Lasombra is an L, right? Which? And the clan symbol for the, for the Shamase is an S. But there was a theme for that, if you recall. Or a T. If you recall, I'm sorry, too, it's a T. They were coming out with those cool little knickknacks. Yeah, no, the pins. You get from, well, it's not just the pins. You can get these wax seals that for a time White Wolf had mm-hmm. where you could seal letters and shit mm-hmm. that you came with the clan symbols. And that's and that, right. I thought that was cool. At this time, they had a lot of those like chrome buttons, uh, which I still have a bunch of. And I think I might even have a Lasombra button, but like an OG capital L. Um but, you know, later on down the road, we get a more, I don't know, a, like a more appropriate clan symbol as well. My Sabat symbol, Wax mm-hmm. Seal, got stolen when we did live action at that. We'll save it for nerd words. But I, <laughs> it, it got stolen. Right. Here's a, here's a question. I'm not going to go. I, th- I think when we do nerd words, we're, we're going to do, there's a lot of questions that have been posed or posited to us today um, because I, I fished for them. Um, but I think we're going to hold off for nerd words. I think we're going to do like maybe half of it, just like a quick Q&A. Yep. We'll talk about some of the things that the people have brought up. However, I have a question for you, Bob. Sure. A hypothetical question. And it's a question or a statement I've seen on the internet a lot. Well, the Lasombra, aren't they just like evil Ventru? No. Why not, Bob? Hell no. I would like to hear an explanation from you. I think our listeners would probably like to hear that as well. The in-depth explanation is that the Ventru believe they were born to power. They believe that by dint of lineage, their royalty, that just because their sire's grandsire's grandsire was great, they will all be great. And if they embrace anyone, random hobo, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. that person will be great as well because they have Ventru blood in their veins. Clan Lasombra says, you have no right to rule. Mm-hmm. That is something that is earned. Right. And that the vintage you pick to bear your blood is more important than the blood itself. Right. Because you have to rise to accept that which is your birthright to power. Yeah. And that is everything, which means you have to own your failures 
and learn from them. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's that you failed, you die, but we're beyond that now. They very much seem as if they were a clan of merit. As they're presented here, there is a distinct, they make mention, right, in this book, and, and we'll get to a little bit more later as we go through it, but they make mention in this book that the Ventru rule, as if it is, it's a, a martyrdom, right? Correct. They're, they're saddled with, oh, the responsibility to rule, oh, none else can, nobody else can do it. And so, by their own clan book, it's right. because they're the only ones the progenitor right. was taught, well, Cain said. Someone has to do it, so I guess it falls to the Ventru. The Lysambra rule because they're better than everyone else. Because they're not pretentious. <laughs> right. If anything, they're uh, they're very Darwinian. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's, that's, oh, I adore it. I adore it. It they, definitely has a survival of the fittest. So, uh, you know, I could talk forever on these guys. It's so good. <laughs> so when we start, we, we definitely get a story, which is pretty typical of the clan books for the most part. There's only a few that don't have them. This one has one as well. It's the coolest written story. And, you know, I don't want to go too deeply into it because I feel like, you know, we don't want to spoil it for the people that are going to read it. Um, but definitely it's worth the read. It's worth highlighting the many challenges Lysambra gets because they're the only clan to this point that they go through in a clan book and talk about in story format. Right. The, it's, this clan book is an education of how to be a Lysambra. It's, it's written as if you're going through class, right. like a college class term to get a degree in being a Lysambra, but it's earned through survival. That's what I love about it. And the beginning story talks about earning the right to go to the next step in the training. So it's very important to, well, it is important to talk about generalizing because I agree, it's a good story to read. But it's about a sire who's talking to her child, going through the markets of Marrakesh and are playing a game. And her child has to find her in the marketplace. Meanwhile, the sire is using every shadow, every trick, every means to remain hidden to get to the other end of the marketplace itself. Right. While lecturing her chilled on the concepts of La Sombra and more importantly, just kind of waxing poetic on their relationship. And all her chilled is doing is shitting Tiffany cufflinks trying to fucking find her sire because <laughs> right. she knows the price for failure is steep. Right. And if not her death. And that's 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 the thing about this clan. She's right. You know, I'm not gonna ruin the story. But needless to say, there wouldn't be a clan book if she died. I can't say that much. <laughs> right. Because it's a progression of her going through this whole trial series. So as you would in uh, previous clan books, you start with the history of the clan. Here's a key distinct difference between this clan and I would say pretty much all of the other clan books to some degree. All the other clan books, they tend to start at the beginning, right? Yep. They start with... First there was Cain, and then there was these other guys, and then here's where our progenitor fits in. This clan doesn't doesn't concern themselves with that. In uh, the slightest. No, no. So so I think we start right around the formation of Rome, right? The Roman yep. Empire. That's where we start, because that's that's all we give a shit about. But what's important is, is why are they that way, right? Why did they say that? Right. They outright say... It doesn't matter what's in the past because it could be made up. Right. It's anything I say is a half truth or it's a lie concocted from someone. Mm -hmm. So what is the point? Undwelling on it. We weren't there. You weren't there. Pointless. Right. But we are great. Also, they make it a point uh, towards the end of the chapter. Who cares where a progenitor came from? He's <laughs> dead. We ate him. He's done. Sorry. Peace out. We don't and, care. And again, that Darwinian mentality. Right. Right. So so we're, we're not going to waste your time with legends. We're going to you know, waste your time with the formation of the clan. 
uh, uh, you know, the formation of the clan as we understand it today. And they talk about uh, the, you know, being at the formative years of the Roman Empire and allowing the Venture and the Malkavian to sort of rule along with them and basically them fucking it up. Well, got to remember, they said they allowed the uh, Torador first, right? Torador with the Etruscans mm-hmm. at that point. And it yeah. was just a swamp and a hill, yeah. as they call it. And then the Venture and the Malkavian come in, but they only came in after the Lysambra got there. Right. And the Lysambra was focused on what? Conquest. Right. They came in and built the armies of Rome. That was the bread and butter. Right. And in those days, I mean, this guy tells you a story. It's like, sit back and listen and smell the oiled leather, the the, the wheel of brass made into weapon, the, the clashing of armies in the field of combat, and the fact that no senator sat in Rome in those days without showing his battle scars right. to the other senators. You had to earn your way to rule. And that's Clan Lasombra. Right. And they said, compare it nowadays to your Senate. Right. That sits it, anywhere else. And, and I think that's an important distinction that we can make early on when we talk about the the parallels between the Venture Clan and the Lasombra Clan. There so so a, as opposed to where the Venture have, uh, you know, a lineage passed down from Sire to Chilled, the, the Lasombra have something similar, but also it's based on what you've earned, how you've gotten there, what you've accomplished. Um, you know, warriors first, kings second, right. clan first, everyone else second. Yeah, and that's and that's an important distinction too, because they literally treat it as it's fantastic that your son or your daughter, but what have they done to earn your name? It's it's never God, it's almost a la like like Conan and Crom, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're nothing. Crom gave you life, but what are you gonna do with it? Well, I'm the son of son of son of. Well, that was him. What do you do? Oh, right. well, I try to be good. Well, you're not good then, huh? If all you're doing is trying. And people see that as arrogant and cruel. Is it? Right. Or is it just the truth? Right. And um, so moving on from that, we jump very quickly into Lysambra's mistake. <laughs> and they talk about Lysambra made a mistake, and he made very few, very many. But one of his greatest mistakes was uh, Montano. Well, I don't think they outline him as a mistake. In fact, I don't think they do at all. What I do think is that the person gives you the overview right. that they can't... This this clan makes it a point to show the only fear that this clan book's going to have. It's one entity, still, Montano. Right. Everyone else can pound sand, and they got a word for Montano, it's... He's ruled by his own sense of personal honor, and they right. don't see him as a mistake. Right. He had made a mistake in that uh, the clan antediluvian did not heed Montano's warning. Right, right. That's and that's that's where I was going with that. Um, you know, he he in his dreams observing the world right. around him, he tracks down Gratiano, right? And Gratiano wants more. Gratiano is embraced into the clan, and of course he's the youngest and all of Lasombra's children, they they block his his forward momentum. They block his passage. And here's someone with an absolute desire to to have more, to to get more, to gain, to move forward. And, and what did Gratiano do to earn that? How he earned the Lysambra's attention, the Antilubi's attention, he betrayed his own people. Right. His lands are going to be conquered, and so his people sent him out in mm-hmm. army to slow them coming, to you know, to defend the land so they can get a defense going. And instead he went there and sold them his family lands for the equivalent in their army. Right. Is what he did, and then Lysamer the Diluvian had to have him. Yeah, well, and then they talk too about that time, um, and even still to this day, 
they only grant the embrace on those who want it. Those well, who are willing to have it. To, at, at that time. Right. Because right. they make it a point to distinguish in the Sabbat. Eh. Well, they, they, and that, that's, they say like to some degree right. still at this time. Um, and it also brings up like you're saying, like in modern day, it's kind of one of the things that was asked about um, this clan too, that, you know, this clan, which is like a clan of like high bearing of leadership, of power, of control, you know, how do they reconcile in the modern nights with the kind of rabble and, you know, shovelhead mentality of the sect? And they do a fan. They have a fantastic way of doing it, though. Right. The clan's very hands on. Right. And what that means is that we can do a shovel party. I can make 12 La Sombra and right. send them at a task. I don't care if they're all 12 La Sombra, they fit a need. Right. Those who survive earn their way to be shipped off to Marrakesh right to then go through the training to then go through the schooling and survive on forward those who don't they died they served their purpose yeah absolutely um so we move forward not to divert anymore but it's an important question I think it's worth answering um we move forward and we hear the tale of Lasombra's fall we hear the tale of these two individuals of Montano of Gratiano but they and- but they tell the tale of Gratiano that I like I enjoy the meat of it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's worth noting here, immortalizing it, because Gratiano was a guy who, why would you trust this guy? And that's that's what the that's what the teacher, the Lasombra teacher, saying. The folly of Lasombra was he honestly thought that a mortal who betrayed his own people wouldn't also betray would, the blood. Exactly, wouldn't betray him. And that Gratiano gets to other Lasombra and chafed under the fact that there were there his betters were there, and naturally so. He gets back to the castle that Lasombra owns, the Castle of Shadow or whatever, Castillo de la Black. And that's, that's not the name. I'm literally making fun of it. But it's uh, they get back there, and he's like, oh, I'm surrounded by this finery, but basically I'm dusting. There's nothing I could do. I'm learning at them, and they sit in rightly so. That was his place. But immortality wasn't good enough for him. Right. Being a Lasombra wasn't good enough for him. He had to be something greater. So this guy sits around, chafes, and then when he sees ambition rear its head in the Anarch Revolt, he actually entreats the Anarchs, talks to them, and they discuss and figure out a way to overcome it. Because what happens in the Anarch Revolt? He runs into Lugash. Right. And Lugash Bloodbreaker said, hey, I got these rituals. Right. They break a blood bond. And he's like, well, you have the means, but I have the plan. And it's something that clearly Gratiano's been plotting on. Just, just an opportunity. And when he has it, he takes it. But I pause here. If you can't tell that the antediluvians are the literal, you will never beat these motherfuckers, you, you're not paying attention. Right. You really believe Lasombra sat lying in a bed with Montano? Hey, uh, father, you're aware Gratiano is out there and look what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. You, you know. No, uh, it's, it's no big deal. Just right. go on. But you can see the world in your sleep. You understand. I'm sleeping. He's coming to eat you. Say the word. I will destroy them all. No, 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 no. It's okay. Go on. <laughs> it's, all right. And, and it's basically that's how ex- it's that's right. Exactly. But if you look at the picture of the Lasombra that they have near the Antediluvian, mm-hmm. he almost has a smirk in his face. Well, and, and they say that, you know, the legend has it that uh, Lasombra knew exactly what was going to happen and he welcomed it as if he embraced this individual for that sole purpose. And, and they say it in, in a comical in a comical sense, like that, oh, that, that's very convenient and answers a lot of questions, but the Lasombra are very pragmatic and they're sitting there going and literally stating that right. going, if he is dead or isn't dead, he's dead. Right. That it's, it's what we say is, 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 because he didn't come around to say otherwise. What terrifies him though is Montano and it starts even then because picture Gratiano 
comes back to the castle. He slayed all the guardians. He came yep. with the Anarchs, fresh from glutting themselves on, on his other brothers that were greater. And they get to Montano, and Montano just stares at Gratiano. Now understand, he was embraced first, Montano, mm-hmm. of everyone at that castle. And he is basically the the closest to the Antediluvian. Right. And when he gets through to the chamber and Montano guards his sire, he doesn't bar Gratiano's way. And there's an unspoken thing that occurs between him and, and Montano, which is honor. It's just honor. Honor forced Montano to stay his hand. And Graziano went in and did what he did. And but Montano left. Right. Like when Graziano went past, Montano walked out. And it's interesting too how they talk about him. They talk about Montano. Montano is an anti tribute. And they talk of the anti tribute very specifically. These are worthless individuals. We've we've hunted them down. We've we've slain them, except for one, and he allies himself with the sniveling Camarilla, and therefore he must die. I didn't catch them call Montano anti tribute. Yeah, they call Montano the leader of them. Yeah, yeah. But they fair. don't call him that because he's more Lasombra than they are, and they know that, and they still honor that because that's it's it's it's. I love how they do that. It's just a word. Mm-hmm. It's just a classification. If you're anti-tribute, you're cowardly. You didn't get right, it. Right. Those that support Montano, the anti-tribute. You went the other way. But if you support Montano, all right, sure. But is it support Montano? It's not. Because nobody knows Montano's will but Montano. Right. The anti-tribute were the ones who didn't agree with the destruction of their founder. So that's that's the thing. And when and when you get there, and it's, it's an easy distinction to have a problem with because people want to heap up and call mm-hmm. Montano anti-tribute. And it's like, well, I don't understand how you do that because he he did go through the process. He came through the process right. they all went through. However, I do want to remind you of this passage. Lasombra had died before Montano fled. Only the fact that his sire would not see him flee allowed the anti-tribute to move. Yes, he is anti-tribute. More potent and more dangerous than Tepes himself. What? Did you imagine him the hero of this piece? He lost, child. Lost right. utterly. Right, but that's one less somber in the book. Right, right. <laughs> Do remember that because right. the other ones don't take that tactic. And that person to me is impassioned by one point home. Anti-tribe is the definition of anti-tribute. Right. It means you're against the clan. Right. And so writing that book, that's what they're saying. I'm saying in essence, how can he be anti-tribe when he wrote the fucking book that you yourself come from? Right. So it's a distinction that they're trying to pound in their head that he's the enemy but he's not the enemy because they're the same people that'll turn around and tell you if you see him, you're dead. Oh yeah. It's it to me. It's, it's propaganda. It's a propaganda piece. Yeah. They got because you. right. Because their clan, the, the clan line, the political party line of the clan is we are conquerors. We rose up. We destroyed the, uh, the elder, just like the Shamase, you know, in, in that regard. And this is the, this is the call of the clan. And if you oppose us, you know, so they're they're literally serving you propaganda. And that's the argument, though. The argument is, is why didn't he oppose us? That's the whole problem. Right. And even playing a Lissambra, it's a profound question, because unless you sit down with Montano, you're not going to know. And he's not talking. <laughs> right. I need to remind you, there's a certain antediluvian that was destroyed. And who else won't talk about it? Uh, Lombok Ruthven. Yeah, right. Exactly. He won't say a word about it. So, but why? Well, because Lombok knows... He's not dead. Right. Montana won't say anything about it at all. Nowhere. Right. And it's and it's why. Well, why did he walk out? Why didn't you kill him? Doesn't make sense that you would go and assault the castle and be so fucking I hate everybody. I'm taking right. them all down. Why wouldn't you take down the one guy you know that would kill you? 
Well, that's the really interesting thing about it is that in all of these stories and thusly there have been four four distinct tales that we've gone through in these clan books where an antediluvian is hunted down, found and killed, whether it's by their own clan or by a different clan. Right. That is the Tremere, that's the Giovanni, that's the Lasambra, and that's the Shamase. And in all four of them, there's no tales of great harrowing battles. <laughs> there's a sort of willful acceptance by those being consumed, which doesn't make sense, or maybe it does. Maybe we can decipher a pattern here. Yeah, it's, it's a pattern of what I like to say, and White Wolf clearly is saying is that they had something planned down the road even now. Right. There's something something going on, right? And we all know it's that Gehenna series that they had coming out, but Gehenna was sort of rushed. Like, it, it botched. You did all this plotting and waiting to kind of go tank. And I don't want to take away from this clan book, but that's, that's a big segue. But I'm just saying, keep it in mind. Because even in here, stuff doesn't quite add up, but they say it in such a way that the teachers are like, we've addressed this a thousand times, across hundreds of La Sombra, and just move on. Right. Like, we get it. We understand. Yes, we, we use Dominate, too. Move, move forward. Right. And they, they, they establish here very specifically that uh, we have the Anarch Revolt. This is all part of the Anarch Revolt. <clears throat> they talk about how the, the Sabbat was supposedly sent north to hide from the Camarilla, and the Lysambra say, yeah, that's where we <laughs> sent our followers. But we didn't leave. We've never left Spain. We've always been here. Right. We're never going to leave Spain. Spain is ours. And they talk, too, about other places that are strongholds of this clan. And they talk about Mexico City. And they talk about going to the New World. Yeah, and they, they talk... Tinoc Right. They talk about their loss, the Spanish Armada's loss, but uh, their victory of finding the New World uh, through Christopher Columbus. Uh, you know, and they, they talk about that, which is all stuff that you can follow along. None of this is really going to divert at all from what you've already learned from the various Sabbat books, the, the, you know, main, uh, vampire, the masquerade book. However, it does give you a little bit more detail about it. It gives you detail about them, but more importantly to me, what it does is it gives you that flavor of the clan talking about their own history, right? Because more so I think in this book than any other, there is very little admittance of failure or loss. It's, yes, these things happened around us, but we gained. The clan book we just did, Ask My Clan Book, does a very good job of it as well. I mean, it mm -hmm. does the same thing, where they do admit their loss, but they admit it from a sense of learning from it and growing stronger from it. Like, they don't deny that their their first stronghold was found, right? Right. They say it happened and occurred, and we were cursed, and that's our greatest shame. But this is how we're fighting, and this is how we're coming from it. They tell of it, <laughs> the sovereign tell of it, like... We're over here now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that happened. The, the Fine. Once once things start to fail, we've already, we're we're two steps ahead. We, we've already gone and left. Jesus, Nate, are you still bringing up that fact? I mean, we, we, there's more book to talk about. Right. Let's just move forward. I mean, <laughs> right. It's exactly how they do it. Right. The, then they, they move on from there and they talk about the, the war of Shamase aggression. They talk about the issues that they had with the first Sabat civil war, where the Shamase, they gaze upon the new world and they say, yes, let's turn it into another another Carpathian Mountains. Let's break it off into little little fiefdoms. And the Lysambra are like, are you out of your mind? And so we have the first Sabbat Civil War. We have fiends on one end and we have the, the keepers on the other. And ne neither one agree. And what's strange is that they combine them into one. Mm -hmm. Like it says, it all happened in one shot. 
It's not the case. Right. So the Purchase Pact was created in the old world when the mm-hmm. Sarbans and Mies went at the first time. Mm-hmm. That's when everybody had left the Anarch, like the Anarch Revolt happened, mm-hmm. right? That happened. And Lugaj, excuse me, Vikos declares the formation of Sabapa hurling his junk at Hardest Right. Right? They leave. Right. But once he left, Los Sombra were like, and this is Gratiano's bad, we're taking this shit over. Right. Like, we get that, we get this. And then Lugash was like, no, you don't. Right. It's almost as if they don't even acknowledge any of that. Right. No. And, they, and they literally skate, they ice over it. Why they ice over it, though, is because remember the ass kicking the Los Ombra took coming out of there. <laughs> right. Why Lugash is Zemis. Right. And when they decided, hey, stuff's got to go, he was like, oh, maybe not. And they right. get all the way back. And where did he go, though? Which is weird. Goes to Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. that to the Carpathians. That's where the Sombra are like, oh, they're turning this into another Carpathians, right? Blah, 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 because they never could take it, right? Remember, at that time, they're talking about the Venture had just tried taking it all the way to the mountains <coughs> and got their ass handed to them by the Zemis. They couldn't right. do it. The Zemis are monstrous, and they couldn't break that. But the Zemis only had their territory and kept it. And the Sombra were like, well, we didn't want that anyway. We took everything <laughs> else that we wanted, right? And so, and then we decided, we decided. We were going to the New World. Oh, it had nothing to do with the fact that the founders were coming in mass in army with the Anarchs they just got to kick your ass right right out of it. And Lissandra go, you could look at it that way. I can't believe you're dwelling on old shit, Bob. Right. And and that's the really important thing, too, is that when you read this, you'll note there are some things just left out. Just skipped. Right. And why? <laughs> because it's it's our history. Right. We paint it because we consider ourselves the winners. They may have won a couple of little battles here, but the prevailing concept in this book is that we, the Lasombra clan, are at war. We are forever at war. Wars, they may think they've won. They have not. That was just a battle. This war continues. And they stress that on a number of occasions, yep. that we are forever at war until the Jihad is won. That's why it's fascinating when we talk about the the struggle in the Americas. We know that when they got there, they faced lupines, they faced the natives themselves, they faced the gangrel mm-hmm. that were already over there. Both sides had to face that, and then the Camarilla came over there too, and we're all port cities and trying to jump it off. And La Sombra were like, "Let's deal with the Zemis now." Right, and, and I think that's brilliant. The La Sombra came over here planning to end the Zemis as they stepped off in the New World, pretty much going, "You keep Europe, we're over here. Right. This is our sect." And the Zemis earned their right neck. And the Zemis, though, took no offense. Right. That's the creepiest thing in the world to me. Well, and they kind of they kind of paint you this picture, too, here, where they're like, look, here in America is where it matters. There were clearly defined political ideologies. There, there were differences. But we knew where the line started and where the line ended. But you go over back to Europe, and it was like the wild bunch. They didn't care who was what and where was what. It was just a bunch of hungry assholes slaking their thirst. But hey, here, you know, there was we had some we had some falling outs. We, we got back in line. We figured and, it out. Well, why does it stated like that? Well, because like we just described, you had Anarchs, the Founders, uh, the Zemis, and Lissombra couldn't agree to get along. We had the Sabat split going on each other, and it took the Regent Gorkist, Yes, I'm a nerd that I can quote who the regent was at the time who uh, founded the Purchase Pact. And then you had uh, Radu Bistri, I believe, was on there as well. Uh, it was a cardinal. That was two two of the founding people who uh, pulled it together, but they don't make mention of the actual names. They just call them the Black Hand. Right. Now, I know, and now you will know, that the Black Hand weren't neutral like the Lissambra think, or impotent as the Lissambra think. They weren't doing anything. What the Black Hand was doing was killing every fucking leader that wouldn't stop warring. 
And I do mean that. It was their number one doctrine, the false hand, which is why the true hand sucks, is because the false hand were like, in order to survive, Nate's got to go. He's right. rabble raising and won't lay down his arms against his brothers. It's done. And so that's where that, uh, that pet came from. And they, they, they first agreed to it. And they're like, this is fine. This ends it. Later on, you get the Code of Milan. And the Code of Milan is because when they got to the New World, the La Sombra and the Zemis, once they drew daggers and had a couple skirmishes, were like, all right, look. Right. There's, we're just going to repeat what we're doing if we don't come to an agreement. You kill Antediluvian. I kill Antediluvian. You're needed. I'm needed. We got people who want to follow. Right. What are we going to do? And then you had a whole laundry list of people who got together with the uh, the false hand. I hate saying it. With the black hand. Right. And sat down and actually codified a sect with an inquisition. Right. I feel like we should in the future make the distinction that um, there is no false or true hand. There is only the black hand of the Sabbat. Um, You know, if you want to play true hand, that's sweet. Go for it. Superheroes um, with fangs and enjoy. Yep, absolutely. But uh, I don't think in in the discussion of a sabbat we need to make that distinction because a sabbat doesn't know the difference anyway. So it's all it's all the black hand. Um, so but, that but that yeah. all happens because Lasamber take a tone to it, and it may confuse you to read it. But as Nate right. already said, and and a lot a of the why. stuff that that Bob has said is just historical reference. Uh, it's not in this book because again, the Lasamber don't give a shit at all. They don't. They uh, the black hand. They did nothing. They did fuck all. <laughs> they. Set them at a target, and they will succeed without fail. Have them make a policy decision, and you'll be waiting until the stars blink out. I fucking love that. So we move on to chapter three, an evening at the feet of Don Miguel. Now, this is where we literally get told to be a La Sombra. Right. <laughs> like, this, is... this is the like the, the chapter. Is this is on page 31. Okay, so if you would like to know how to play La Sombra... Skip to page 31. Right. And just read that. That pretty much is what they do. Right. Now, the other really cool thing that they do in here that I've not seen in other clan books is the merits, the flaws, yeah. the disciplines. They're literally wrapped into the narrative They instead of just having a chapter that's like, here's our disciplines and here's our merits and flaws. They're, they're like it's a it's as if a a doctor or uh, you know a s- college lecture right is what you're going through. They're they're telling you about some of the strange anomalies that develop in the clan and you know things that uh, rear their head, and they do they insert it into the actual the, the actual narrative, and it's really cool. Uh, it's I think it's it's written really well, and then they talk about. Like they would in in all the other clan books, the opinions that the Lasombra have about the other clans, the the well, sects. Important distinctions in being a Lasombra. They talk to you about their number one is their clan weakness, right? And obs- an obsession of of mirrors. Why I like it is that they brilliantly outlined the mentality of a Lasombra from personality wise. Like you can note a good, worthy, strong Lasombra is someone who's not caught up about their appearance. It's not because they have a bad appearance, but it's because they're Lasombra. Right. It's, it's how you comport yourself with that weakness is right. what counts. Because you, you cannot see yourself in the mirror, and they they talk, they w- sort of wax philosophical about why that may be, and they talk about having consulted with the occasional Giovanni, and the Giovanni have, have made mention that it could be that their relationship with the Abyss uh, has something to do with it. And the thing about this, too, is that we we have sort of a vague understanding. There's a certain level of explanation about the abyss, about uh, obtenebration, but it's not overly explained. Right. It's certainly left to 
your imagination. It's like a teacher in class would. It's it's like you know we're going to touch on it. This is important and relevant, yeah. but well, this is an eleven hundred course, right? And we're not we're you, not in the thirty two right. here. You know what I mean? You're Let's gonna just, you're gonna have plenty of opportunity to go and explore that for yourself. And even then, I'll tell you, there is no higher level course in this clan book because they will never tell you why they have that weakness because they don't know. Right. They truly don't know. However, they do know it's tied top ten abrasion. That much they're certain. Because there's entire speculation later on that's going to be relevant that does not touch yet in this edition. Right. But uh, the other cool things is that it goes into um, the varying levels of powers that they have and that the elders do possess. And it's a, it's an often overlooked power that I think is an amazing. Granted, it's a level seven. They talk about dark sight, which I think tells you what the abyss is capable of. Uh, the abyss itself is not just that, I, okay, I can block out light people can't see me and i'm and i'm doc ock with some with some tendrils well you could say that or it's pretty cool that i could be sitting in in illinois and i could hear a conversation in marrakesh right because i was there because the shadow nearby if someone's saying something i'm interested in and all i got to do is concentrate for a few seconds and i could see and hear as if i was there and it's and it speaks that you are of the shadow now why i tell you because here's a creepy fact Read between the lines. A lot of these powers, they're like, oh man, I can summon tendrils. And then, and then at level four, I get I get like my own tendrils automatically that come off of me as I get a horrific vicious that I become. Oh man, when I really get up to level five, I become the stuff of shadow. And I'm like, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> Another way to look at it is that the abyss becomes you. Right. So what do you mean? Are you even you anymore after a certain point? As your humanity devolves, as undoubtedly it will. As you study abtenebration and you learn more power over the shadows and whatnot, is it that you're willing the shadows to, to, to be? Or is it the simple fact that the shadows now manifest through you and you have no control over it? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. And it's a cool thing. And this book gets into that because there's a flaw where you can summon shadows and it's not uncommon. Right. And the shadows attack you because you don't exert enough control. And you, you know, you're not concentrating. And that can happen. And it, and it, and it all alludes to this fact that whatever... Lissamber was or is he tapped into something that nothing is ever explaining it in the world of darkness but it does highlight that it was dark and it is a weakness not given by Cain that they all share why do I say that Nosferatu have something that's definitely tied to Cain's curse and blood right right uh, the uh, Gangrel too the Tordor have even that weird obsession that comes with you know beauty and whatnot. But mm-hmm. you can tie that to some various disciplines, what have you, in in that regard, the common. But when you think about Lissandra, you don't have a reflection at all in anything. Right, it's gone. Well, why wouldn't you? It's it's like you're fading, in a way. Right, and they get into that. And, but it, and it, it's it's more than just you don't have a reflection. It doesn't right. anything on you. So it's not just that like your physical body somehow doesn't reflect. There's more to it. Because I can carry a briefcase and throw a body over my shoulder and wear a football helmet, and none of that stuff is going to show up either. Right, right, and it's and that's that's a good point because it ties to the point where that guy even comments that um, the postulation of why that's so is because our souls were consigned to somewhere in the abyss. Right. Yeah. Well, sure, you can believe that, but we're here now. Right. We're here now, and and I'm and I literally think that's what's most fascinating about the clan for me is that exploration exploration of what they do get into in the dark ages after right. this. Where we go there, and we'll go over all that later. Right. But in the book, definitely don't miss it in right. getting your tone away. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, they move on from there, um, talking about the shadows. They talk about um, the future and where the clan is going, 
what <laughs> what what their what their end goals are and and Ballsy yeah end goals dude right absolutely and it, it's it's good to read in here and i don't remember uh exactly like how that plays out in the newer versions but i mean i mean the clanless sombra is a clanless sombra I, I, if i remember the revised edition clan book and we're not going to be reviewing that for a while but right I, I believe it's just an expansion on the information here. Yeah. It's just more detail. It's just more ironed out. Um, but this, uh, you know, we get into, like I was saying, the, their opinions about uh, all of the other clans, sects, uh, you know, the, the werewolves. Um, an interesting, like this, this clan has an interesting relationship with, with the werewolves as well. Um you mean a hatred? Oh yeah, yeah, a very interesting an hatred, undeniable hatred. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a great willingness to want to kill them all off. <laughs> in fact, the strangest thing I read in there, and I I'm shocked it didn't stick with me, but when I read it, I was like, that's so weird. They talk about a perfect relationship would be with Clanasmite. They would willingly, the blood sings to think of giving them our blood, it, just to have them go from force to force and lay waste to the Lupine army. Right, <laughs> and I'm like, why not your enemies? No, well, because our just, enemies will have been conquered already. It's just, it's just, it was. This is all we want the Asimites to do: kill right. all lupines. Right, right. That's. Uh, do you I, need more blood? Do, and there's a there's a passage in here where they talk about um, the great leaders of the clan, and their the the floors of their dens adorned with lupine pelts, and how great of a an honor it is to to own one of these these lupine pelts, which is sick, sick right. and cool in a cool way. Um. We cannot ex- we cannot escape the most important part about this clan book, in terms of what it means to be a Lasombra. They don't have an antediluvian. Well, who rules the clan? Yeah, it's Gratiano. No, it's not. <laughs> well, it's Mon- Cardinal Moncada who helped found and pen the Sabbat. No, it's not. Is it any other Lasombra you can think of in your head right now, listeners? No, it's not. However, those people mentioned probably sit on the board. Right now, do they call a board? No. Uh, they're called the Friends of the Night, because I'm going to butcher the name. I think it's... Uh, Les Amis Noir. Yeah, Les, whatever, Les, Les Amis Noir. Yeah, we, we, neither of us speak French, but yes, it's Les Amis Noir. <laughs> so those, so that group is fantastic, because they're the ones who determined Diablerie, right? Now, you may think that's weird. Like, why do they do that? Well, they go in depth to talk about how they controlled Diablerie. Right. And that it's practice, but... La Sombra blood will be taken and reclaimed according to approval, and they make sure that you're culling the failures. Right, exactly. Because if there is someone above you or someone below you, and they are they're they're failing, they they are a weight, a stone around the neck of Clan La Sombra, then they should be purged. They should be destroyed. However, there is going to be ample opportunity for us as a we'll say we're young La Sombra. And there's this elder, and everything he does, I'm seeing, is just a shit show. He's just failure after failure after failure. Look, I I urge you, let me reclaim his blood. Oh, oh, you think his plans are all well? We'll we'll investigate this. We'll consult. Well, it turns out we've consulted, and all of his plans have been laid out to us. And you just lack the ability to see where his end goal is. So, no, you don't get that right. And not only did you not get the right, we gave him permission yes. to eat you. Right. We're, we're going to let him know he can eat you if he wants. We're not, uh, we're not helping either one of you do it. Right. Mm. 
he has permission to eat you, but you do not have permission to eat him. Right. Know that. Carry on. And then they talk about oftentimes these elders, they just don't even take advantage of it. And, and you know, they say, they say like, how nerve wracking must it be to know that you've turned on an elder of your clan and he's been given permission to eat you and he's just opted not to. Eh. Right. But that permission doesn't go away. No, nope. it doesn't have a timestamp on it forever. Right. Right. So they tell you if you're going to go there, you better damn well know how it's going to sway them. Right. It better be such a good point that they not only know they, they, they were waiting for someone to come mm-hmm. to get permission to give it. And you better have insight to know that they're going to because otherwise you're putting your head in the noose. Right. And that's and that's how it's going to go. Other than that. They get together as the strongest Lissambra and the Sabbat to dictate what the Lissambra are going to do. That's pretty typical like anyone else, but they don't make any pretentiousness that they're an inner council or the inner circle or who's a member, not a member, that type of thing. All they say is, is that the members know who they are. We know each other and they meet. Now, in later supplements, I know they will tell you where these guys like to meet and where they like to go. I'm not going to bother you with that because it's not in that book, but later on they get more defined with right. it. And uh, there's another group called the, the Leamis Noctis, I believe is what it is. Uh, there's another one, there's a distinction, but again, that's later on. And uh, we'll go over that too. And uh, the Angelus Eter, which is not in here. That's the revise as well. Right. Because I know some of you are going to be thinking, why don't we talk about them? And that's because they're, they're, over, they're over in the other book. Yeah, for those of you that know this clan and understand it, there's a lot of stuff that's not here because it doesn't get introduced for a couple more years, um, like three which is weird to think that like we're, we're in 1996 and I believe revised edition starts in 99. So we're actually pretty close. Um, and we haven't even gotten to the end of the clan books. I think about the time we get to the end of the clan books, they start revising them. So, right. Which is yeah. good. Yeah. So here we are again. And undoubtedly probably a faster <laughs> review. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, there's some other things in here, some, some narrative tales, the tale of, uh, Two elders playing chess. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll leave you to that, to, to read about that. And then, of course, we go into the character, uh, the, the sample characters, the pre-generated characters. Just like every other clan book, there are 10, and they are of uh, varying interest, depending on what you like to play. Check them out. They're worth uh, looking into. And they're old enough that you could probably pass them off as a new character concept, and people wouldn't really realize it. True. And then, of course, we get to the noteworthy Lissambra, certain especially noteworthy Lissambra. And we have Montano and Gratiano, and there is more information about them we've actually already gone over in Children of the Inquisition. Oh, show. And then there's Don Medina Sidonia. And um, my uh, one of our longstanding characters that's not really touched on too much in this book, just very briefly, but uh, that's uh, Archbishop Mancata. Um AKA Fat Man of the Dark. Right. <laughs> a, a very interesting character that much more will be written upon uh, as the series continues. Up to right now, the only thing important to note is as they tell him in the clan book is that every Lissambra goes to him for confession in the clan. It's his importance. He's also one of the founders of the Sabbat. And why he's important for confession is because his mastery of shadows is absolute. And it's even hinting at that he may have done this uh, before the revolt and the formation of Sabbat. And they go to him. And even the narrator who refers to him in reverence says, I've only had the privilege to visit him twice in my existence. So the night that you're able to, 
to take it serious right. for all of this. And they do in other um in other ways tell you what confession is, definitely in some of the clam or some of the novels that are written. And it's it's special. In the case that you never read the novels or we haven't decided yet if we're gonna go over the novels, I think we are. We we are. I don't know if we're gonna do them on this podcast, but we're right. definitely gonna go over them. It's just that there will be to derail for a moment because those are novels and they're going to take a lot longer for us to read than a, you know, 90 page clan book. Certainly. They will probably be done on a more sporadic basis, you know, probably as extras or maybe on nerd words, but yeah, they'll right. get reviewed. Uh, the thing to note, the confession is exactly what you think it is. You go to, you go to Mankata, you will sit in a confessional booth and you will tell them what you've done that you're confessing to what you are really doing on a, on a strong level. It's like, cause he is by the way, an ordained priest to do what he needs. And I think even an archbishop is what he obtained. Yeah, well, that's and what it's, it's, that's what it calls him in here as an right. archbishop. I mean, but he's an archbishop in the Sabbat at this point, And he retains that uh, DSC's title later on becomes Cardinal. And, uh, weird. You did that too. But anyway, uh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. So anyway, Forget that. Just note that when they go to him to sit down here and do the confessional, the other half of the confession is that it's done in the dark, which is kind of cool. It's like you're telling it to the abyss and you're telling him of your woes and failings as Lissandra. And it's said, or rather hinted to, that some Lissandra never make it back from confession. Right. Because you're going to someone who is basically judging whether or not through your through your dealings, if you were too conniving, then you're a detriment to the clan. If you're not conniving enough, then you were too weak to be La Sombra. But if you're just right, you get a pass and you're forgiven of all failings. What you're doing is, if anyone in Les Mis Noir was plotting and got permission to kill you, he's the only one to forgive you for those slights and thus change their opinion. That doesn't put him as the head of the board. It puts him as the only escape you have. Right. It's like going to the Pope for absolution or going to the president for... Um... Anyways, we'll not get into that. <laughs> it's a cool it's a cool distinction as they throw it out there for. I agree with the author's interpretation of what the confession is. Right. And it ties in sweetly with what that board would do and with the reference the clan holds them. And I think it more than noteworthy here. Because otherwise, when you read this book and get to them, so there's a big bad board that determines if I should be eight or not. Right. Yeah, I won't worry about it. My story tool will never use it. By the way, if you're on Curse of Cain, I fucking absolutely will use it every time. <laughs> Dare me. I, it's it's important because it makes you be a good, productive member of a clan that I love and adore. I also just want to note that this clan has by far the coolest character sheet. That's that's all I want to say. It's it's totally nerdy on my part, but uh, the the black with the white is really really cool, and I think it's a really cool addition to have that uh, consistently through onto the character sheet. And I was looking at this, and this is a this is a 1996 edition. This isn't a reprint. So this has to have been, like, you see my, my wacky initials in there? This has to have been one of my original purchases, one of my very first clan book purchases. I remember Bruja, and I remember this one. And this one is a much cooler clan book than the Bruja, so I know I kept it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, totally awesome clan book. Uh, hey, Nate and Bob, should I waste my money and pick up this clan book since it's, like, not really relevant with Revised and Lore of the Clans? Well, it's not a waste, Mr. Question. I will uh, I will tell you that uh, if you don't own it, get it. Uh, and particularly if you care about the founder. And, and I'll tell you this right now. If you care about the Sabbat, you have to own. Not maybe. Not I should. You have to own the, the first editions of Mies and the first edition La Sombra to understand where that whole set came from. Right. Like, all the Sabbat's history are in those two books. Right. Launching forward. So, I mean, that's... And from two different perspectives, which help you make your own way 
uh, through the history of the story they're trying to tell, which makes right. it very, very cool. So here's here's uh, here's my opinion on the matter. Um, much like you were saying there, I feel like having these first uh, first second edition clan books, these first release of, of the clan books, I feel like it definitely creates a foundation. If you if you and I, this is my advice to any player who is uh, novice to intermediate who hasn't read through, you know, maybe they've only read the revised, maybe they've only read the lore of the clans. When you decide you want to play a new clan, whatever it is, Lasombra, Sabat, Ventru, get your original clan book and read it. Read the revised clan book so you can build walls on your foundation. And then take that and put a roof on it by reading lore of the clans or lore of the bloodlines. And I'll give you the practicality. If you're just starting a character, get the first edition. Kind of me. Actually, read the clan book. Right. You made your first character. And I said clan book. What I meant was read your main book. Right. If you like the character, you've played it for a couple weeks. You, you just, you know, I just don't know if I'm playing me. I just don't know if it's, you know, it's really my character portraying. Cool. It's time to get a clan book. You're asking for a more in-depth way to dig deeper, get a deep dive and figure it out. That's first edition. You really like the clan book and think it's, it's, it's grooving to what you have, but you know it's not V20. Okay. Get the revised. What's that do? If you like the revised, you see what I'm saying? Build on it. Just like Nate said, if you like the first one and you, and you mind it and add it to your character's portrayal, right. then dig in the second one and add that to the portrayal as well because it's worthwhile. And then when that's done, V20 had a release, uh, Lore of the Clans, and you look at that and all three of those give you totality of the clan you're playing and your right is right. Right. And other than that, I mean, you, you know, of course, read whatever book you can get your hands on. Uh, my advice would be, but... Um, aside from that, yeah, I think that these are important, and I think the Lasombra clan book, not only is it important, but it's just fucking cool. Yep. It's just a cool clan book. If anything, it's adequate. Yeah. <laughs> so our next uh, our next podcast is Ghoul's Fatal Addiction. Brilliant book. So uh, keep it here for that. So the next book's coming up, Ghoul's Fatal Addiction. Clan Book Ravno and Clan Book Giovanni. So we are only, what, uh, two away from Giovanni. Yep, and it'll give you a good insight. That Ghoul's Book is going to be the sole reason why Nate will tell you never take a Retainers of Five and let me run it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I thought we already reviewed Clan Book Giovanni. We didn't. We just reviewed Giovanni, Giovanni Chronicles, Chronicles yep. which, uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, you would know Clan Book Giovanni if you felt like eating pasta and having a meatball sandwich <laughs> while having a beer and a stogie as you did the podcast. Right. That's why. Until next week, I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And we will talk to you again soon. Yeah.